Keywords, Volume One, by Chan Master Sheng Yan. Creations of the Mind, from Chan Newsletter Number Fifty Eight, December, nineteen eighty six. During his long life, the contemporary Chan Master Xu Yun, Empty Cloud, eighteen forty to nineteen fifty nine, traveled to many places in Asia. And wherever he found a Buddhist monastery or temple in ruins, would collect donations and rebuild it. Many people were quite amazed at his ability to do this, even as he was advancing in years, and came to him saying, "Oh, Master Xuyun, how is it so easy for you to build one monastery after another, when for us it is difficult to build one simple hut?" Xuyun replied, "That is because I have monasteries in my mind." When people asserted that they too had monasteries in their minds, Xu Yun said, "I have been building monasteries in my mind for a long time, so these monasteries were already built. Now, when I want to build a monastery, it just happens. However, until you have truly started to build monasteries in your mind, they are just daydreams." The Surangama Sutra states that all phenomena are creations of the mind. However, we can't interpret that as saying that all things are created by a wandering mind. If you just daydream and do nothing about it, you will not be able to create phenomena, much less dharma. But if you conceive of something in your mind and then actually do it, then what you accomplish can certainly be called a creation of the mind. Similarly, if you feel anger, sadness, and happiness, and you have relationships with people. Based on these feelings, then these can also be considered creations of the mind. It is said that the mind is like an expert painter who can create all sorts of worlds from a single palette. It's true that what is in the mind can be manifested eventually, and what previously existed can turn up in the future. The process is something like this: you have a large tank of water with a lot of fine-grained sand at the bottom. As the water is stirred, the sand grains rise to the top. When the stirring stops, the sand grains sink to the bottom again. Each movement of the mind is like adding a color to a certain sand grain. Sometimes you add a very strong color that is long-lasting, and sometimes you add just a tiny dab. The grains that are colored will sink to the bottom and then appear again at the top as the water is agitated. But those with a lightly applied color will gradually get paler. Only the strongly colored grains will retain their hue. Good and evil karma work like this. Thoughts and actions of different intensities, hues, may seem to disappear for a while, but they all come back at some time, when the water is stirred by the action of karma. We just don't see their effects until they rise to the surface. So sometimes we have good fortune, and sometimes we have disasters. All of these events are our own doing. We often speak of promoting welfare for others or for ourselves, but we do not often speak of promoting disaster. Nonetheless, we tend to create our own disasters because what exists in our mind will likely manifest in the future. In fact, it would be really difficult for it not to result in some consequence. Of course, it depends on how strong the karmic forces are, just like the analogy of pigments applied to the grains of sand. The stronger colors will last longer.
In the city of Kaohsiung in Taiwan, there was a plant that treated wastewater generated by the many households and industries. Eventually, this plant was itself producing large amounts of wastewater and was therefore unable to treat it all. So, though the purpose of this plant was well-intentioned, it in fact generated further waste. It is similar in our lives. We do not intend to create evil karma, but we somehow end up doing so. We do not want to cause other people harm. Very often, the end result of our good intentions is to bring some harm. Many wars in history have occurred due to political and religious views. The leaders who brought about these wars were not necessarily evil. Many of them sincerely believed that they were acting for the good of mankind. Yet, as a consequence, many people underwent great suffering. Someone asked Master Xuyun, Why are you building monastery after monastery? Eventually, they will fall into ruin or be destroyed by others. So by building monasteries, you are in fact providing the occasion for other people to destroy monasteries. You are giving them the opportunity to do evil karma. Why bother to do all this then? Xuyun answered, When sentient beings do not have good enough merit and virtue, yes, the monasteries will go into ruin or be actively destroyed. But on the other hand, when sentient beings do have better karma, better merit and virtue, then they will need the monasteries. Later, the monasteries will go again into ruin. I do not concern myself with that. According to Buddha Dharma, all things are actions done by sentient beings in the mind of sentient beings. They are like visions of flowers in the sky, or the moon's reflection in the water. They are all illusions, but nonetheless, these dharma activities are things I would like to do at every moment. In achieving our goals, it is important to ask ourselves if we have seriously started fulfilling these wishes or vows in our minds. If we are already going in the right direction for achieving our goals, then the saying that all phenomena are creations of the mind is definitely true. If you really want to achieve something, such as attaining Buddhahood, you must have sufficiently strong determination. Once, there was a childless couple in their late forties. They really wanted to have a son, so they went around to many temples, praying to the deities. All of their supplications were in vain until they finally found a temple where an old monk gave them advice. He said, Fine, go around to different monasteries and temples and see if there is any monk living there who is growing old and sickly, with no one to take care of him. You should then take him home, care for him, cure his illness, and you will eventually have a son. In time, after visiting several more temples, they found an old monk who was seriously ill and had no one to take care of him. So they brought him home. They were very nice to him and cured his illness. However, the monk was indeed quite old and in two years was about to die. He said to the couple, You two have been so kind to me. How can I repay you? They replied, You really don't have to pay us back because we are doing this in order to have a son. Eventually, the monk died. Not long after, the couple did indeed have a son. He was very intelligent and quite a nice boy, as it turned out. His parents were really proud and pleased to have him. After many years had passed and the boy was in his teens, an interesting thing happened. The old monk, who originally gave the advice to the couple, came to visit. When he saw their son, he said, 
Why, you are actually an old friend of mine. The boy then realized who he was and said, Well, I hadn't much choice. I had to repay this couple. The story ends here. Perhaps it was really not so smart to repay the couple by being reborn as their son. It is kind of a foolish thing for an old monk to do. Nonetheless, there is an important point in it. When we seriously want something, we should also make an effort to help other people, and eventually, our wishes will be realized.